This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be discussing art in animation, focusing on one of the most monumental works in history, modern history, and that is with the film Akira. To hash it out, I am again joined by one of our top contributors. That's right, the silver tongue himself, the voice that's launched a thousand ships. That is Mr. Philip Church. Welcome, Philip. Konnichiwa. <laughs> How hey, are you, man? I'm doing all right. You know, it's a new year. Hoping for the best. How, how you been? I'm good. I am good. I am fresh. I am ready to talk about Akira today. This has been on our radar for a while. And um, God, I I know you're kind of a you're a comic buff, right? You I'm, are... I'm a comic buff mostly, but I am a very general nerd. Yes. So <laughs> I like it just across the boards. Now, uh, we wanted to talk about Akira because it's arguably one of the most important and influential animated films of all time, especially for us here in the West, right? As it, I, in my humble opinion, it kind of opened the floodgates for this Jesus Christ, it's like explosion of adult-oriented, adult-specific animation, right? And it just created this like rippling effect for the evolution of what has now become a deep, intense love for all things anime and manga. Uh, and so that's all we got to talk about it today. But before we hash it out, of course, we need a little background. Akira, based on a 1982 manga of the same name by Katsuhiro Otomo, was initially released in Japan on July 16th, 1988, and then in the following year, 1989, here in the U.S. It is set in a cyberpunk dystopia known as Neo-Tokyo. Akira chronicles the story of a biker gang that finds something they were not supposed to find. Led by main character Sotaro Kaneda. Kaneda! Canada. Yes, I was about to say, I was like, that was perfect. Uh, because I feel like the English, if you did the English dub, it's like, it's like Canada, right? Uh, or Canada. And then, Probably. Uh, yeah. and then, yeah, I listened to, I did both actually, Philip. I did. I did, I did a bit of both as well. Um, and speaking of pronunciation real quick, props to you for saying manga. I know that a lot of people are like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it matters because it's a Japanese word spelled manga. It's manga, manga. manga. I know. I, yeah, I'm not going to get too, I, I think I, cause I, I've gotten so deep into the world that I've heard it consistently as manga that I have, cause I, I will be the first to admit I did call it manga. You know, I did. We put all my, did. That, okay. Yeah. That American slang on it. Right. Uh, but yeah, over time it has become manga. And um, that is what I noticed right away is those pronunciations. Like it's not Akira, it's Akira, right? It's Akira, yeah. And part part of my nerdiness spans the fact that I minored in Japanese studies, actually. I lived in Japan for four I months. I didn't know 
that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I lived this in Japan perfect. for four months. I loved Japan since I was a kid. Uh, this movie made it on my radar pretty early on in my life as well. Granted, I yeah. do not think I understood it at the time. Um, <laughs> other than just being like, this is amazing. Like, I, oh. you know, most of it was whoosh over my head, but oh, it was yeah. awesome. It was oh, super yeah. cool. It was the Kaneda and Tetsuo show. That's all, that's all I remember. It's just Kaneda, Tetsuo. Yes. I, um, <laughs> uh, that is perfect. I didn't know that about you. So this is even, an even better episode. I was to do saving with that. Yeah. No, man, I'm so glad. It's funny that you say that too, because I have always been, I wouldn't say obsessed, but just absolutely fascinated by all things Japanese culture. As since I was a little boy, I have been there. I didn't live there for four months, but um, me and my wife uh, went there together on vacation for a week. And it was, I, it was everything I wanted it to be, you know, the culture, the food, the, uh, the entire immersive experience. I absolutely love Japan. And, um, this is, I'm so glad that we, part of the bridge, I think of American culture and Japanese culture is things like this art and our love for, for things that are rich in culture and progressive idealisms and all that stuff. So let me pull it back. And um, just to give you a little summary of Akira, Akira, um, the story tries to unravel the mysteries of the titular character Akira, the top secret laboratory testing on children behind it all, the military complex that aims to cover it up, and why Canada's closest friend, Tetsuo Shima, suddenly has powers beyond anything man has ever known. Now, it's important to talk about this before we go on to the discussion section. The story of the film is unique as it's between the storylines of the manga series. The manga series is very long and this was made actually right in the middle. If you don't know that people listening and it famously departs from the main plot because the manga actually continued after the, the conclusion of the film for years to come. So in a way it's, it it's tied to the universe, but it stands alone and in and of itself. And I, I found that fascinating as I was learning the history behind it. Uh, did you ever actually read the mangas, Philip? No, and I was actually going to say that is um, as much as I've tried sometimes, as much as I love Japanese culture in general, as yeah. well as tons of um, anime, uh, it is still kind of difficult. And even as a, as a, an American comic book lover, um, it's just so manga is very unique to digest. And uh, no, I have not, again, especially like when I was younger, and probably found out about the anime movie uh, yeah. that I, I don't even know that manga was on my radar then. And even if I tried, I probably would have given up pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's it is such an awesome um, movie that is is yeah. so powerful uh, as far as just the cultural ramifications of for many reasons. And to kind of go back to what you were talking about just a little bit ago, um, I think part of what's so amazing about Japanese culture is uh, it, part of it is that it is so old, you know? I mean, it was oh so God, insular yes. up until, what was it, like 1880-something yeah. when the U.S. forced it to open up. Um, it's 5,000 years of culture before that. And what they've done so damn well since then is embrace everything and make it their own. And that's one of the things that I also think did so well um, to, like you said, get anime, like real, uh, like adult kind of themed, like, yeah, not, not for kiddie. kids anymore. Yeah. Right. Not, yeah. not your, not your little like, Oh, haha, cartoon, like rocket boy. Um, this was some <laughs> serious shit with like guts. Real and, like, serious shit. I there being boobs in it. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. God, as a kid, boobs? I was like, there's nudity in this yeah, shit. I mean, I it's, it blew it me away. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, the manga, unfortunately not Reddit. Um, but yeah, I remember in re researching this kind of seeing the same thing that like, it's three parts, the manga and mm -hmm. the movie was a certain version of, of some of parts one and two. And then I'm assuming two was still ongoing given how my right, understanding of the adaptation went. Yeah. Right. He was still making it as it was going along. I couldn't have imagined that level of ambition and also, um, just kind of a beeline, a, a left turn. You don't hear you don't hear a lot of those kind of artistic projects where they want to make a film adaptation in the middle of the storyline that was still being created at the time, just because it was so popular. I think maybe the closest thing we have, or, or I learned of, of that that I fell in love with after I 
really got deep into the world of anime was probably Dragon Ball. Dragon yeah. Ball did this a lot, Similar. and they made a million movies in the middle of their main storylines yep. that the TV show created. But uh, so, yeah, we have a lot to discuss. I am yeah. excited. But before we hash it out, of course, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the novel The Entropy Sessions, a tale of loss, love, and madness, and our past, present, and future relationships with technology. Find it on Amazon and as an audiobook through Audible. Your support, of course, helps us continue our journey. You can also check out Philip and his work, his contributions, and hire him through his website, philipchurch.tech. Now back to the show. Um, guys, uh, I what I like to do with this kind of subject matter is to start with first impressions. We kind of touched on this a little bit. Philip, I'm going to give you the floor. Put us in the room. You're a little boy. You just finished Akira for the very first time. How did it hit you, man? It has everything I think that makes it like the ideal uh, international sensation as far as it being like pretty enthralling plot overall. You've got the government uh, being a bit too controlling and the, the you know civilian unrest. You've got tons of explosions. You've got motorcycles. Um, <laughs> and then honestly, you've got a lot of eye every... candy, right? For us kids. Yeah. Not right. to mention it's a damn good looking, uh, you know, feature. And we'll but... get to that. Yeah. We'll get to just the animation yeah. in a and bit. Then, but, but just your overall first And then, of course, that, that, that dream, right? That fantasy that everyone has of just shooting energy out of your hands. <laughs> um, and it's I mean, the love the, for Dragon Ball. And we'll talk about yeah, probably and, and, how, yeah, and how, how they what influenced other it. things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot, too, is like just how stark. I mean, again, with the with the imagery being what it was um, to touch back on, on what you were talking about, it must have been a huge deal for them to jump straight into a movie before the manga was complete. And if you right. think about the iconicness, when you say Akira or Akira, the thing is, <laughs> you, Either, see, you, know. you see, you see, you um, see Kaneda's jacket. You know what I mean? You right. see that red oh, bike yeah. and that red jacket. And that's what's and that so interesting, pill too. On the back. Yeah. yeah, really. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just people it's, know that. God, yeah, just from that imagery. It just Even has, if they haven't seen the movie, right? Exactly. It's, it's, know that, that alone imagery. is famous. People have seen shirts yeah. of it or something. So, yeah, just the the iconography of it all um, is just clearly whether it was ahead of its time or did exactly what it wanted to do and is still nailing it. Obviously hard to say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just had. It was a blockbuster, just plain and Absolutely. simple. Nailed it. They Absolutely. Nailed it. Yeah. My first impression was, um, and you kind of touched on this uh, already, or we both did in a way, is it made me realize it just, it like, it opened my eyes. Like I realized I was blind for so long until I saw Akira that animation didn't have to just, animation didn't have to be for kids. And I think like our parents' generation and older only, they only equated animation with cartoons, right? And there's obviously a place for that. Still to this day, my my family or my parents do not understand why I watch animation. And it's just, um, it was way after their time, right? They just, I don't think they'll ever understand it. Just it, it's, I equate it to our extreme love for video games and they sure. think that's just for kids too. Now it's a billion dollar industry, just like anime and manga. And uh, we're seeing um, how it's for adults now as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and to go on a, a slight tangent here. Yeah. Um, so up until that point too, I mean, like you said, it, it, it's not just for kids anymore. And the thing is, is um, I, a few people listening, you know, if you're already interested in Akira, uh, yeah. you, you might know uh, the name Osamu Tezuka. Uh, I don't know if that rings any bells for you either. No. No. Yeah. So uh, throw it at me. What? He's essentially the Japanese Walt Disney. So do you know Astro oh, Boy? I do. I do. Okay, yeah. Astro Boy, Princess Knight. Um, yeah. That whole like cutesy, very magical, very childish um, that that was anime for years and years and years. And that is essentially why um, you have that kind of idea or that sort of notion that people would be like, oh, anime is for kids because it really was very cutesy and childlike. Thanks to that guy. I mean, and he was prolific I mean, not not to downplay any of his work. I mean, the guy produced a ton of stuff for years and years and, and it's great stuff. He's basically like a Japanese Walt Disney. Awesome. I didn't know that. I, I love I love this because I learned stuff. This is what I love about our show is I learn a lot. OK, tell tell us his name again. One more time. Osamu so Tezuka. Osamu Tezuka. OK, so outside of like your Astro Boys and then, of course, a little bit on the other side, your giant robots. Right. Mm. But still almost like toys. You know what I mean? Like it sounds like it's the oh, it's like G.I. Joe. It sets up for a toy line like you can't take it too seriously. So this was adults. I mean, granted, young adults, but this was like relatable characters. Right. Um, that weren't 
either robots or magical <laughs> or in like a fantasy land. This was very much technically like, a, like you said, a dystopia. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, oh, let me jump in my giant robot or let me summon my robot friend to help me win the battle. It was it was so this mature. Was a huge departure. Yeah, this was. Yeah, a it was departure. so mature, even as like a, as a teenager when I saw this for the first time. And I, it changed everything for me, honestly, in terms of how I saw animation, how I viewed that particular form of art and its medium and i remember also there was all these commercials really trying to sell it as these collections and they were calling it you know japan animation compilations and even seeing like going to blockbuster and going to the anime section or the animation section and making i always felt like i was you know in an area i shouldn't be in you know seeing these very mature forms of of art and all the and for the longest time i wanted to rent these things um and i knew i knew i just couldn't there was no way i could convince my parents to let me watch this stuff until i was a little older and i honestly cannot remember a animated film an anime before it but you know i feel like it really did open the floodgates and no, I felt everyone knows that akira is a gateway drug it once is the gateway, watch Akira, animated gateway truck. Once you watch Akira, you're going to be all about these Japanimations <laughs> and your, and your it, cartoon cells. And next thing you know, you're trying to fly and it's not going to work, Novo. It's not going to well, work. Well, you know what's crazy? And you know, I, I'm going to do some name drops real quick. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, after I saw that, I wanted to see everything that was that was brought over to the West and dubbed or even subbed sometimes like, you know, Ninja Scroll and Vampire Hunter D and all of these. D, yep. Yeah, all these classics that are classics now. You know, at the time we were just kind of getting them. And I... I just, yeah, I fell in love. And then, of course, Dragon Ball. I got into Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. That's where I would say I got really obsessed, where I wanted to learn every character name. I wanted to learn f fucking everything, right? Yeah, and it, it it kind of is contemporary with a lot of those other serious things. Again, I just, right. I, it's hard to say how much of it is and I wanted to shoot, you know, if you will, <laughs> shoot oh, lasers absolutely. out of my hands. If right? you, you want to tell feeling? me that you, you did not go into your backyard and, and scream as loud as you can with your Hame, hand Hame, out, ha, you're a liar. Shit. Yeah, you're exactly. a big fat liar. But yeah, it's crazy how whether it was just the timing of it being a, like a cultural revolution somehow or, or evolution, I should say. Yeah. Again, all these other seemingly mature animation came out of the woodwork. Um, and again, it's not like it didn't already exist as manga. I think something about. Uh, again, the, the, either the time and or maybe specifically the success of Akira really helped shoot these things into the limelight and just, you know, spread the word. Absolutely. So let's let's pull it back. Let's talk about the movie. And what I always like to do is talk about the writing and characters first, which is a foundation for any artistic piece. And the biggest thing that really stood out to me, I mean, it's it's a it's a story that we all love, right? A dystopian cyberpunk tale that also brings in elements of fantasy magic, almost you could call it with this like yeah. psychokinesis and things like that. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for me as uh, someone that <laughs> dabbles in writing from time to time is how much it would subvert expectations. I remember when I first saw the uh, the precog kids and when I saw them have that old looking face, you oh, know, yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, what what do Kinda we have horrifying. here? <laughs> yeah, I was I was like, that was the very first time it really subverted expectations. And then and then through the entire film, it was that way. There was the bomber at the police station. The bomb was a dud. It didn't go off. And um, the biggest one is, as is, is we forget, is Akira. You think that the character Akira is going to be very prevalent throughout the whole film, and he's really not. What, like <laughs> you know, he only five, ten yeah. minutes or something. Like you have briefly? to, yeah, exactly. You have to learn the lore. You have to learn the history, and that's why it's one of those excellent such a film such an artistic film because it makes you go back to watch it over and over again to really understand the history and the lore and i think the biggest bait and switch and i don't know if you caught this was the fact that we had we thought we knew the main character and that was Kanada. and as he was technically the main protagonist of of the story, but as the movie went on, it evolved, right? It went to Tetsuo. Posters, yeah. whatever, him and his bike. You'd think, like, clearly, this guy is Akira, right? Like, that's right. him. There's Akira riding that exactly. Akira bike. I love it. I'm like, mm, think again. No. Yeah, it's it, it, and it turns into Tetsuo's story about how that's he was what? bullied. Yeah. How he was bullied, how things, how he kind of became 
who he becomes at the end of the movie. And that's another part of the narrative is it's not really, I'm as, if anybody that knows me, Novo loves uh, descent and the madness stories. I love psychological thrillers. Um, but this was more of a mad with power, right? Yeah. It's not a descent into madness. He goes mad with the power that he acquires, right? Honestly, one thing that that still kind of has me scratching my head is even even rewatching it recently is, is um, the idea whether it was latent within Tetsuo the whole time. Or something about Yeah, it was. There was there was flashback scenes that showed him having precog abilities. Like he could have tele- I me- yeah, he I had telekinesis him getting beat and stuff. up. I remember him like, you know, basically so it was always inside getting rescued yes. by Kaneda when they were kids because they were both orphans together and whatnot. Right. Um and just something about it being far more latent. Uh, in that after he had his run in with one of those weird old children, basically, mm-hmm. um, that that's like what woke it up. And... It, yeah, that's exactly what happened. So it triggered this yeah. uh, energy, as they call it in the film, in him. But if you remember one of the biggest points of the exposition, Key or K, K I forgot how you pronounce yeah, K. name. K is telling Canada uh, about people exist how these powers exist and she talks about by one of them yeah the little girl and she talks about the fact that it's in all of us already and it just yeah, has to be it's like a cellular up. memory kind of thing as exactly. like it's that that neat um which again i think it, it's part of maybe what just why it blew up uh whether i had this idea first or not but i think we were all told at some point everyone only uses 10 percent of their brain potential and all of right. a sudden you're like i'm gonna use 20 that's that's the cool concept, right? It's just like, nope, guess what? If we used 100, we'd be Akira. And, yeah, we would have telekinesis. Right? We could fly and, and, so and we could shoot energy out of our hands. I love that idea. Again, it's one of those interestingly just like innate ideas of just like, like we all have the ability to be special, right? Everyone wants to believe that there's some kind of unique and special, which we all, of course, are in our in certain ways. But this kind of specific, like, again, innate, like latent superpower thing just taps into those power fantasies that I would believe 90 something percent of humans have. Um, right. And, it's, and, and in the fact that it's genetic, that we are weirdly the dominant species. So why not another evolution right in front of us <laughs> triggered maybe by some kind of weird nuclear disaster? Who knows? Or or old young kids. So old. Yeah. Right. Who are terrified that, by yeah. blood. Apparently, who <laughs> never nightmare see blood. fuel. <laughs> it was. I remember something about they were already terrifying and then freaking their shit out at some blood. That is also something that stood out to me, not just the kids, but how they're just like, he's bleeding. They're still kids at oh in God, a way. Right? Yeah, they're like these these kind of superior, almost like deity type of entities. Yeah, I mean, because they look the like children, time. you would think they are. But again, you learn through the plot that they've been experimented on for at least a decade or so or something. And hence, like their bodies tried to stop aging or something. But these crazy powers within them made them gray and withered um one of them's got that awesome professor x wheelchair shit going on yeah oh yeah he's my favorite oh the little (laughs) chubby kid oh god he's great uh but um so how many uh did so i saw it i we should talk about this i saw it um one time with the dub i saw it one time with the sub subtitles i i actually recommend if anybody listening out there hasn't seen this at all yet see it with the subtitles see it in the the true blue subtitles first yeah and uh and then i just i actually have it here on in the background just to once we start talking about the literal look of it the animation i can i can kind of reference it and i saw it like on a two or three times speed just to kind of get it fresh in my mind and i i don't know if you if maybe you do this with other art or other animated pieces like this i grew up with the dubbed version that was made in the 80s and that was like my version that's the 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 one i grew up with and then they did like you know like a remastered thing and they did a complete new cast new voices everything and it's just not the same the ones that i'm pretty sure the ones you can get on hulu or wherever is the is like the updated remastered version whether you watch it's anime or play video games you'll recognize the character voices like if anybody's played devil may cry 5 um the like one of the uh, that's a pretty damn new video game. I think it came out in 2020, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I instantly recognized the fact that um, whatever one of those main characters is not not Dante, but like the other like kid with gray hair, basically. 
Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I I know of the game. I just I I stopped playing the uh, Devil May Cry after. I regret buying it, but that's a whole other like the story. second one. Honestly, yeah. I never got into. The but regardless, yeah. So I instantly when I when I was watching it again for this, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's different. I mean, they obviously like redub it because it was one thing when it was a new sensation thirty years ago. Yeah, you know, and then now it's completely different. So they, of course, got the modern talent to redo it and probably remastered the visuals a little bit because mm-hmm. it still looks damn good. And yeah, the voice, it's crazy how even the voices, I'm like, I know these voices and therefore it's not the same <laughs> thing that I remember as a kid, but, um, it's still, I mean, you know, I'm glad that they continue to like, it just show, shows how important it is that they continue to give it attention and money. You know, they're still paying people to, to redub it, to say like, oh God, people are still they're, watching the gonna, shit out of this. They're going to milk this cow forever. And for good reason. I yeah. want, like, I would love for my kids to have like a, a remastered version. You oh, know, my son's like, absolutely going to know version. about this someday. Big time. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. You know, you want to, you want to be able to say, you know, they may not be, they may not be crazy about it like us, but you know, it could be another gateway, another, uh, artistic gateway drug for them into something else. So that's, I think that's, I think it's great, but yeah, they're going to do it forever before we actually, uh, move on to the look of the piece. I do want to talk about a couple more things with the narrative. I also noticed this as I was rewatching it, that it was perfectly constructed ebbs and flows. And what I mean by that is it was peak Valley, peak Valley. So action break, action break, you know? And so I never got bored. It really moved along well because it's a long, long film. And one other thing that really stood out to me was I was surprised at how many characters were killed off in the, in the film when I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like they like every every main character that you meet in the beginning, eventually, well, not not all of them, obviously, but a lot of the ones that I thought would never even be seen again are eventually seen and then killed off as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like um, three people survive. When we talk about these things on our show, we always assume that you guys listening have already seen it. So if you haven't, as I always like to say, tough titties. We're going to retroactive spoilers. spoiler alert. Yes. Jerks. <laughs> uh, go go see the piece. But yeah, we, we know that uh, Canada first. and Tetsu. Right. We know that uh, K, Canada and Tetsu live. And those are the main ones that you thought they would. Well, and does or Tetsu no, live? Tetsu does live. A lot of a lot of theories um, say that he is uh, he's transported to another dimension and he creates a new universe. That's why when he says I am Tetsu, because Akira is not dead technically either. Right, the titular characters uh, lives in jars. He's in those little um, jars. Yeah, but uh, he's somehow still powerful enough to where you get the jars together and say his name five times: Beetlejuice, 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 or whatever. (laughs) And uh, here he is. He 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 reappears. And um, yeah, Uh, so so it's like the general and K and Kanira are like the only confirmed and like his people. one friend the guy with the jacket like one oh, that's supporting right. character yeah, like Yamagata yeah. or something I have his name yeah. written down somewhere because he's the one he also makes a, a pretty interesting um, no I'm sorry Yamagata's friend Yamagata's the one who dies uh, in a very interesting important plot point which I'll make a point to get to later but um, <laughs> yeah that's right one other person who's like their friend so four four people sorry four people you guys i was 33 percent wrong um it's okay we're gonna let it slide just this once because we like you philip but uh let's um let's move on to the look of it so the heart and soul of why we have shows like this is the animation i mean god oh where to begin right it's just so fluid so smooth so mesmerizing um just looking at it now in the background as we're talking it's 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 really a tour de force it's insanely easy to forget that this came out in the 80s I mean, this seriously still like the amount of detail, right? Go watch any of the modern DC animated movies and they are a fart salad compared to this. <laughs> it's seriously like for somebody who probably has so much money at this point because they're DC comics um, for, for this 30 something year old anime to outdo it on such a level just shows the insane scale and of this project and the just how much respect it deserves yeah the attention to detail even as a kid even before i really got into art i remember saying that to my friends that i was trying to pitch this to like you guys got to see this man i was like the amount of fucking detail i remember like just um like if because i after re-watching it how many explosions and debris and all these things they have to animate that we usually see in CG now is incredible. And I remember like seeing like a building, you know, explode and glass falling down. And I remember thinking even as a little kid, 
all of the shards of glass were different sizes and they had to animate all of those. And it was a people, it was just done by hand. All right. This is old school animation done by hand. And Philip actually sent me a, a great piece on this. Oh that, yeah. Found this awesome that we should talk about Easter this. Egg about that too. Yeah. A little Easter egg that was found like, what was it? 20, just recently, just right? Recently, or, yeah. Yeah. 20 years or whatever. Like after 30 minutes into the movie, on on one of the random like electrical boxes that you know just like oh they're in like a scientific laboratory <laughs> so of course there's a box with a warning sign and somebody actually zoomed in and deciphered the fact that they were like why did i have to write this or so right like i mean I, oh yeah the an- no like, the animator was pissed off he's like why do we have to do this level of detail it was something like that just to uh summarize it's, like it's, he, it's, was just, he was just he was just like insane. bitching but on but he put it in the movie yeah it made it in and just got noticed about 30 years later but it, yeah. it, you know you think about like oh like even other cool stuff again like talk about your whether you're talking about dragon ball z another anime or even a video game where you've got those like stock little movements you know like you've you've got stock things that just like it makes it appear kind of like a crowd is making motion if you're it's not like paying two, attention but it's like two yeah, images it's the going same back three and forth things, like one arm like with one you know? loop and that's yeah. all they do and so what's crazy is that this absolutely said screw that yeah fuck it, that every we're little gonna, the, we're gonna pick, animate pick everything. part of the screen yeah pick a part of the screen nothing is stock nothing is not right. custom every little bit of it was thought completely through to just the this the most insane level of, yeah minute yeah. level of detail thank you um that again it's just it's it's mind blowing to the point where the animators themselves pulled pulled More again bitching. almost to throw it back to like a Japanese Walt I Disney don't blame them though right yeah, well, I mean, I, we would think bitch, about it, right yeah that's actually funny that I accidentally tied into it earlier talking about Osamu Tezuko you know the Disney movies are notorious for having like weird dirty secrets and so this is like their little dirty secret of just being like. I had to write so much shit for this movie, you guys. I've animated 5,000 things today. And, like, that's their weird little secret that even the people working on it, I'm sure now they're like, man, I'm glad I did Akira. <laughs> like, <put> my kids <laughs> right. do knowledge. But, uh, yeah, right. even at the time, they were just like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, exactly. And, then, yeah, we, we should touch on things that I don't think have, or at least I don't know of other things that have been reproduced quite like what akira did with their effects and the biggest one is their use of light how they can make that glowing effect and that's just an animated effect but they create this glowing effect so their use of lights and darks is uncanny right i i don't think i've ever seen anything since then that really was able to reproduce and recreate this particular effect and then also the the tail of lights like as they're you know those action scenes where they're they're on their bikes and they're um they're fighting the other biker gang and you can see the light effects of like a strobe effect of it following the bikes as they're moving along on the road and i i feel like that really stood out to me we already talked about the extreme attention to detail the the animated rubble uh we have to talk about the (laughs) i think we have to talk about this when we talk about the animation is the hallucination scenes when Tetsu is going crazy with his power. He's seeing his guts fall out. His he's guts. seeing, oh my God. He's seeing like <laughs> things materialize. Also just, just the, um, and then of course the mutant, the mutation scene at the end when he turns into this huge blob like, of flesh. Yeah, that's and like number two or three and, that people, if you see Akira, they think of that. If it's not the guy on in, in, in his bike, if it's not Kanida on his bike, it's, it's the giant blob monster that even South Park, <laughs> You know what I mean? South yeah. Park had like an entire the Trapper, Trapper Keeper, Keeper right? <laughs> Trapper Keeper yeah. 5000. That Trapper episode Keeper. was one of their beautiful love letters to fantastic pop culture. And yeah, again, just, just to touch on what you're saying with the light and the dark, I mean, again, with something that like, speaking of the red jacket, like I'm going to yeah. probably harp on 15 more times at least, um, this movie is so colorful that the lighting is insanely yes. important so that you get a feel for how dirty some of these, like when they're in the sewers or when they're in a bike race or something you feel like the grit right it's all so incredibly intentional yeah i mean again it's just so thought out to where knowing that this came from a black and white manga it just it blows your mind of, again how how important this must have been to get this level uh, of craft you said um, it really well 1988 you know we forget how old this really is but how great it still looks yeah it's, i mean it's, 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 it's crazy insane to me. uh and and yeah just it helps sell the 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 entire image of of just you know like any other good movie that you've seen too i mean like the setting's important 
You know, I mean, everything around like, yeah, you, you the characters and their dialogue is important. But at the same time, uh, if a movie is supposed to be in space, but it doesn't look like it's actually set in space, it feels cheap. And yeah. and everything about the set pieces in this are as important as every other bit. And that really just helped make this the phenomenal work of art that it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you feel bad for the people that probably, you know, like you, you know, as a comic book guy, you see artists, they'll, they'll take a picture of themselves or they'll pose in front of a mirror and then they'll draw themselves. Right. Think about the poor bastard who had to sit there and like flash lights at himself to go, okay, the light does this when you look at it. But that's, I don't know how else <laughs> they would have done light it. comes through a window. Yeah, I don't, mean, because well, it's all hand-drawn. How the hell would you just be um, so good at making I these saw effects? A, I saw a documentary on this. I don't remember the exact method that they used, but there was a very specific method to create that glow, that use of light. And... Um, and yeah, and I, I think it double and no surprise, it probably doubled and tripled the amount of work they had to put into this. But again, it's, if you think of like, uh, again, what my parents know, like our parents' generation knows animation, like Looney Tunes, as I feel like is the gold standard. Everything is so flat. Yeah. You've got this gray, like neutral backgrounds that aren't important. It's all about bugs and Daffy. You know, like you're meant to pay attention <laughs> to the two things exactly. and you can tell when they're about to pick up that one carrot because it looks different. You know, like that weird cell animation. Absolutely not. I couldn't more be the opposite case where every P it's, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's a damn Christopher Nolan film, but as anime from the eighties and that everything in front of you is important. Everything matters. It's all intentional. Exactly. Nothing, um, nothing is not a second is wasted in the storytelling or the look, the animation. And, um, I think that's where we can probably start piggy piggybacking on the other things that make this a true film uh and as our resident uh voice actor extraordinaire how did you feel about the english dubs versus the japanese dubs or japanese original uh voice acting liking anime mm -hmm. and also understanding enough rudimentary japanese still i mean i i am far from fluent i never was but at the same time uh <laughs> conversationally enough you're better than me you're yeah, better than I mean, <laughs> yeah. conversationally enough like you know once you spend a little bit of time studying the language it's it's very mathematical in the, in the best way possible and so you can really understand it actually more easily than you might imagine and so when you know kind of what is probably being said um in the japanese version and Knowing that they have to use those mouth, you know, formations to to make it, um, not only is it important that they make the words themselves and the emotions, but even the voice. You know, I mean, like I, I personally think it's kind of silly and jarring. It's almost a trope in modern stuff to where, you know, the voice doesn't match the character. Right. Um, you know, you've got. I feel you, like I, the English one really was really distracting once I yeah, saw it again. I how mean, much it didn't fit, and then when I watched the Japanese one with the subtitles, I was like, okay, this is clearly how it was supposed to be viewed. Yeah, right? it's 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 almost like they kind of didn't quite grasp who the main character was because <laughs> the Kaneda character got the 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 highest, honestly, like the most recognizable actor. The guy I was talking about who's yeah. been in countless other anime and video games. Are you talking about the English actor? Yeah, or the, the English Japanese? actor uh, who, okay. who did Kaneda in the current dub that you'll find on like Hulu. Yeah. Um, that's the that, one you watched, right? Yeah, that's that's the okay. easiest that's way. That's the one I, I watched, I already right. had the subscription and I'm not going to pay Amazon any more money. Fuck Jeff. Bezos. I have a D, I have like a physical copy of it, oh, nice. but, it's the, but it's the remastered one. I, okay. I need to really, I had for the longest time when we all used VHS, I, I had the original I 80s. Had my VHS. Yeah, I had like a taped version of it from a, from a nerdy friend of mine in high school. And of course, through the sands of time, I've... You know, no one has VHS anymore unless they're a collector. So I, I have no idea. I probably just threw it away, not thinking that it would come to haunt me now. Yeah. <laughs> Where I was like, God damn it, I should have kept that. Yeah, the modern, but I don't have a, the modern, I don't have a uh, VCR. Oh, yeah, so I don't even have a VCR. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, the modern iteration of the dub, um, it, it's not the worst because at least uh, it being Akira, they would it, they they went all out at least. They they got people who really knew seemed like and knew and liked the material. But again, the subs, the original, it's just like there's nothing like it. Um, you know, you don't you you don't need to give the the top talent, the the technically the second tier character. Um, and it just again, it's it, it is very difficult. I mean, the, the way that uh, Japanese writing, Japanese emotion um, it's from a very different culture. It's literally from across the world. As I said, it's one of the oldest cultures. It's 5000 years old. 
along with some of the other most amazing cultures on earth, right? Very old and insular. And so when you're dealing with something like that, it's incredibly important, in my opinion, to preserve that. And sure. when you've got the these American people uh, who grew up in America and, you know, m they might have grown up. Could just be a job. Yeah, for them, they might they might yeah. love their jobs. They might love anime or they might just love voiceover in general. Um, they could be great voice actors or actors or whatever. But it's just again, it, it's it doesn't quite do it. And especially depending on on how the translation also kind of hits you. Uh, that makes me think of style, too, is um, in Japan. If anybody is a veteran anime fan, they know that they actually appreciate and keep in the uh, what are known as dialogue hiccups, the uhs and the uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Where in America we don't do that at all. We almost it's almost shunned upon to to keep a lot of that in. But in in Japanese animation, they love doing that. They add all those like uh, that, you know? yeah, that just that exactly. Yeah. Whereas that, in America, you know, weird... in ours, we would just be like, you bastard. Right. It would just be straight into uh, the emotional response and not the sound effects that come with that. Um, and I find that fascinating, too. Uh, me and Buck talked about that on um, the History of Gaming episode we did, where we, we see that if you, you know, in video games, since we've been touching on video games a lot, it's perfect, where we see that a lot in uh, if you go to the original Japanese uh, voiceover actors like in a Final Fantasy, you see those that that's the stylistic choices and differences. And a lot of the time it's better. I will be the first to admit that they do it a lot better. Also, because like we talked about, the animation matches what the, the performance, right? Yeah. The performance is so big. I will say this. Important. I love Final Fantasy to death. And Absolutely. I we do could too. not hate Cloud Strife's voice in American more than anything i hate it cloud strife it, it, from it, the it. remake either okay he just he just doesn't belong or from like advent children either or again honestly like okay, i just wow. something about it, it just it doesn't ever feel I thought right the because remake he is such was a excellent. japanese character it is so japanese yeah. in its writing and creation and conception sure i just it never Ooh, i like right. this it never i like right that with me. I would, um, I will uh, respectfully disagree with you. I thought they did a great job with the remake. As it was kind of everything as... that I, I wanted it to be, and I cannot wait for the uh, future. That's right. There's a part two. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't I get me wrong. Be a part Credit three, where it's part due. Four. Yeah. For, as far as being a brooding, like kind of a douche who becomes you're less a little more goes, of a traditionalist too. I am. Or, I, I just a, I didn't like the remake as much true... as other people did. But yeah. Credit where it's due. I mean, he. I feel like the whoever was the American Cloud in that game probably did as best as anybody could have. Sure. But I just don't. Again, I just think it's certain things are so quintessentially Japanese. I, like for instance, Mario. Yeah. Mario is literally yeah. a Japanese character, but he's Italian, and he sounds like it's a me, <laughs> Mario. That makes more sense. So you can recast that. You can, you know, I'm surely not the same person has been doing Mario, you know, for four right. years or whatever. So. You know, that's a little okay. I can for see the guy's change. face in my mind right now, but I can't think of um, his name. But, but you know, to go back to, like, other more Japanese standards, I mean, like, for instance, Goku. Goku is still the same Japanese lady that it has always been. Right. And so certain things are just so quintessentially them that just like other things that maybe it's an American movie, but if you're French, you, of course, might watch it in your own native language of <laughs> French. Um, well, just to piggyback off of your tangent, I do feel, um, I probably, we could agree here. I was not crazy about Zelda's voice acting no. in Breath of the Wild, no. right? Most people hated that with the fiery passion. Are you there too? Yeah. Not a fan. Okay. Should have stayed silent. Yeah. I yeah. I, I agree. Or just the, the, uh, you know, just, you know, he has those, right? He has the dialogue hiccups yeah. or the, ah, uh, <laughs> but he doesn't have, yeah. you're right. That's, That's all he needs. Good. Yeah. Those are his lines. But yeah, you know, Zelda, and this was the first time uh, outside of like the, hey. uh, the terrible. Yeah. Listen. Was that that Navi? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, this is like really the first time she was animated to that level, right? Of yeah, scope. that too. Um, I don't think any of them have really. Spoken and she was that British, but it was like an annoying. Usually, I'm, I love we as Americans, we love British accents, right? That posh British accent is so charming. But for some reason, the one they picked for Zelda was 
not great, no. right? I don't get it. Let's pull it back. I, I think the, like, as much as I want to love all the stuff on Netflix, for instance, I, I try to watch the dubs, not as good. I always end up watching the original language with the English translation. And I think just the same thing is still true. I think this mm -hmm. is just such, again, like it started as a manga, which is such a quintessentially Japanese thing. The voices, same thing. Not Again, no, no bad anything to anybody. Uh, and it's just literally, and this is personal. Of course, it's personal. Everybody yeah, it's might disagree. So yeah. just to say, I think that- Tell tough titties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. too bad. Sorry. But you know, the, the, the people who voiced these characters at the time, nailed it. Right. And I think this is a good segue to uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about anyways, is sound mixing and sound editing. Because people, you know, I don't know how many times I hear this, and it probably bugs you to fucking- tears when they you know when they're watching an award show and they're like what's the difference between mixing and editing well mixing is how those levels how how the sound sounds together right things are in the foreground the background etc sound editing is obviously you want to match match an explosion right uh with an explosion sound at the exact same time that the animation happens right so those those are the very simple differences and Oh my God. I, I feel like it was, there was so many explosions, so many, so much debris and, oh, man, yeah. and wreckage that they had to animate and they had to create the sound designs to match those and not only mix it well to make it sound like it's bigger than what we can hear the, you know, like, especially if the voice the acting THX version, <laughs> right? Like, you know, especially if someone is saying something you know, trying to say something over an explosion or that obviously the explosion is going to drown out their vocal. Um, and then the editing itself is making sure that every tiny little thing, I mean, fucking water, like the scenes where they're like in those like sewagey, you know, parts. Yeah. And they have to splash around in water and all that stuff. That's hard to create for a sound editor and That's, a sound designer. I mean, yeah. Right? Even in what, regardless of whether you're talking like animated film or, or motion film, for those of you not familiar with uh, the term Foley, uh, go look that up and just watch whatever documentaries that tickle your fancy. It's literally <laughs> when people sit around. Yeah, to, for, for everyone that doesn't know, what's what's a foley? Foley is when you get somebody to recreate. When you get somebody to recreate, like the studio version of what what is very hard to capture um, with an entire microphone, so that mm. the design itself does fit as perfectly as it can, so that the vision and the sound align. So, you know, you're, let's say, okay, let's say, let's say we're talking a sound salad, okay? The cut of the vegetables, the cut wait, of Wait, what are we, what, wait, cut, put us cut, in the room. What are, what are we doing? We're talking about a sound salad and the okay. cut of the vegetables is the editing. However, the whole taste of the salad is the design. It's, gotcha. it's the whole, okay. you have, you, have you ever had a really good Caesar? A really good Caesar. So you've got the croutons. You've got the dressing. The You've got the fresh washed romaine, and you know uh, you, it's it's the the ingredients themselves, the editing, but the way in which they're put together, and that that I thought we were talking about real salads for a minute. I was like, I didn't quite get the the, the metaphor, the analogy. I was like, okay, are we talking about animated salads? Well, hey, you I know what? we were talking Speaking about sound Foley. design for Speaking an actual Foley, animated I'm, salad. I'm gonna bring it all the way around. <laughs> yeah. Speaking please. of Foley. If you ever want to know how they make such awesome bone crunching sounds, it's not like they went and found some poor bastard and broke their it's bones. It's like a head of lettuce, it. right? Yeah, it's they took like or celery or celery yeah. or whatever. They take something that sounds insanely crunchy and they yeah. get the best fucking microphone in a fantastic studio and they yeah. crunch it over. They probably buy 30 to $40 worth of celery and get all of these crunches. They might overlap them. They might take the best five and like, you know, edit those <laughs> together and mix them. And that's how you get that amazing sound effect that makes you feel that punch from your side of the screen, despite the fact that it's cartoon people, one of whom has powers and one of them has a fucking rail gun. Um, it's, it's insane how important the sound is to everything because uh, it, it's 50% it's in the medium, but at the same time, you know, it's almost like sounds are, sounds are almost more tight. You know, like your physical memory, uh, you, you might forget a face, you know, but at the same time, like you don't forget a voice. You hear somebody and you go, oh, my God, I haven't seen them in years. And uh, that's a good segue to the other dance that is sound. Let's talk about the music. Uh, if you don't know what is prevalent throughout the film, it is traditional Indonesian gamelan music. And, and, and it's once again, to go way back to the beginning, Japanese people are phenomenal at embracing cultures and adapting things. And I love... I thought it fit perfectly, it though. It is I amazing. Because it, it creates... It's so rhythmic. It's so busy. 
but it out. I don't want to say guttural, it, but it's like a borderline. Well, prime, it matches primal. the action that's on. You know, when we had yeah. those bike scenes and those biker fights and the gang fights, and we had that gamelan music that was. So, if you don't know what gamelan music is or gamelans are, it's essentially a series of different bells that are played together, much like a drum set is played, and they play them with different kind of. They're usually like thick looking sticks. And they create that very uh, rhythmic phrasing. And, um, of course, anybody that knows music theory, that's going to create a lot of texture and mood and... Oh, frequencies alone. I mean, you know, with how far we've come with understanding how frequencies affect the brain. And well, it, like, years, like you so. said it best, it becomes a character in and of itself. Good music in films is always a separate character. And I felt like, especially when they there was a lot of... Um, uh, I wouldn't call it singing, but it was, it was almost like a choir of or or just yeah, just um, some kind of vocal or whatever. There was a, yeah, there was this vocal element to the music that was almost haunting at times, but it was it was its own yeah, thing. It's very affecting. And, yeah, exactly. And um, it together, right? All of these pieces created this amazing experience. So tell the good people, Philip why they need to see Akira. Let's bring it home, man. At this point, most people, as we've mentioned, you've probably seen something about uh, giant robots that's a little more modern. You've probably seen <laughs> Dragon Ball like Z. Gundam. or Yeah, exactly. Gundam, Dragon Ball Z, or even the modern Dragon Ball Super. Um, this this is like the jumping off point for when, yeah, like when things really decided to um, take themselves a lot more seriously. And, you know, even looking at the faces, I mean, like you said, like I've also got to actually playing silently in the background right now, looking at yeah. the faces of these people. I mean, yes, Akira Toriyama started Dragon Ball, the original thing around this time back then. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah. the faces honestly remind me a lot of your Dragon Ball Z. Um, they have just these weird elements that are so recognizable to this day. And it's it literally is just one of the most quintessential, you know, anime. It's 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 almost like it's it's like Citizen Kane to anime. Right. This is how I like to say it. If you've never seen an anime before ever, Akira is just a perfect, excellent place to start because it embodies everything great about the medium when everything works just in perfect harmony to create a perfect work of art. We love it. So there you go, guys. Akira, top to bottom. But before we go, you know we got a little more for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry for that Sunday with what we like to call the gym of the week. If you're new to the show, the gym of the week is essentially something we like to talk about here in our show, but it doesn't really fit perfectly into the scheme of the episode but we need to give it to you nonetheless so you guys can dig deeper because it could be on our radar in the last few days week maybe month something we're falling in love with and we want to give you a little more uh as uh, the guest i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go first today mr church uh what's been on your radar lately well you know in this uh insane time that we live in with the pandemic. Um, I have enjoyed every bit of- <laughs> The of longest just... pandemic of ever, right? It feels, two years feels like 20 What is time? Years. Jesus. You know, it's right. interstellar now. We're just Jesus. living in interstellar. It's yeah. fine. Fuck you, Nolan. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I appreciate every bit of levity possible. And um, I have dabbled in improv myself in the past. I've yeah. done a couple years of improv. I love a good comedy. I like sci-fi. And we're talking about a very science fiction-y thing right now. So honestly- um, I, I would love to give props to a uh, just another podcast that has given me such joy because it is all those things. Um, the fact that it is an improv podcast alone that is comedic and based on sci-fi, I've never heard of that mm. before. I've yet to hear of one since. It's called Mission to Zix, Z-Y-X-X. It is hilarious, in my opinion. Um, and what they do is they yeah, will... Yeah, break it down. Yeah, I'm curious they'll, now. they'll do maybe like two hours of recording, apparently. And, okay, so they have longer um, shows. It will, and they edit it down to be cohesive. So there's okay. a so once they have good plot points, once they've got good things, um, they'll edit all the bullcrap out. But again, talk about quality of sound. Like that's I think part of why this is a fantastic gem of the week. Um, it if they're in the ship, there are ship sounds. If they're on a rainy planet, there's rainy planet sounds. The the production mm. values out of this world. Pun intended. And it's all audio. It's just a podcast. Exactly. Right? It's just There's a no podcast. video content. No video. Um, but it, and, and so the actors themselves are fantastic. You can tell they have a great harmony. There's a new guest every week. So there's always oh, something cool. different. They, and everybody wow. gets to write their own characters. Um, it's funny. If you stay to the end, they do the Marvel thing where they give you a little bit of extra and it lets you hear some of the uncut, unedited audio so that there's there's laughter throughout. 
sometimes so it's like second city so like someone uh creates a scene yeah. or characters and then they just improv a science fiction story on the spot absolutely yep and oh, and, wow. and i mean and it's got people as far as like um you know one of the best guest stars they've had is bobby moynihan who was in one of the episodes oh, yeah from snl fans. absolutely yeah. so i mean honestly like yeah. they have hilarious guests uh, from all over they oh, appreciate other stuff yeah. so it's got it's got sci-fi down it's got comedy down um it's got your improv stuff that's just it's got that great cohesion that you can tell they're good friends who love to fuck around and have a good time or as they would say juck around to keep things a little more around. <laughs> yeah they say juck <laughs> instead of fuck so i uh, apologize uh, for all my going funny. blue here but um no, honestly no, it's, okay. it's been tickle, have, it's been tickling explicit. me man it's been making me laugh in the moments where i need laughter I these like days it. so uh to go on a completely different type of podcast just to not take anything away from the amazing uh, thing that is this art of the beholder uh, is Mission to Zix, um, and I, yeah, it's no, in its we, final season we now. It's to got, give love, yeah, we give it, credit where it's got too. five seasons too. So you know, there's a lot to wow. catch up on, um, a lot of character growth that's happened, and I believe it's in its final fifth season now. Um, so yeah, I mean, honestly, just go, just go have a good time and laugh it up. And before before I give you my gym, I did. I I thought it would be fun just to talk about what um, other anime or manga like you got into because of something like Akira, wherever you got your start. Like I, I'm just going to do a quick list and then I'll give, I'll give you the floor and then I'll get, I'll do my gym. Uh, but I already, I already talked about vampire hunter D ninja scroll. Uh, we've, uh, I'll, what also led to cyberpunk was ghost in the shell. That was yep. a huge hit. Uh, of course, dragon ball neon Genesis. And then the big, the big films that came out, came out every few years that I would drag my friends at the time to was like princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle. I forgot his name. The guy, the guy that's behind that. Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. So I have always was always in love with his work, and I think he like came out of retirement to. He's doing like one more, yep. one, something like one that, more right? Big, one big show. What was like? What was some of the anime or manga that you, um, or maybe it was a lot of the same stuff? Just yeah. just to give me a quick. There's actually list. an interesting like, overlap. Dragon Ball Z for sure. Loved me some DBZ. Um, yeah. Cowboy Bebop is, of course, timeless. Um, and Trigun was a lot of fun for me. Um, and uh, Berserk, though, honestly, if Berserk. You, again, if you want something else that is very much adult and like not too kiddy, that's like crazy action, violent, Ooh, right? Yeah, Berserk. you've got your yeah, good sword like fights, super... you've got visits to hell. It's fun. Because I remember there was like a, a Dreamcast game based on yeah. anime. Oh, yeah. Like there's, that, yeah right? there's, that's and, how I got and the into current, it. I was like, damn, uh, this is cool. The current like Dark Souls franchise, um, yeah, everything that From Software has put out is very influenced by Berserk. So it's it's another cultural like touchstone. Because I I will I uh, I'm not shy. Oh, I guess I should say I'm not shy to admit it. I love the ultra violent stuff. Love it. I, for some reason, I've always gravitated towards the ultra. That's why I always like stuff like Ninja Scroll. Well, yeah, like I live in the Especially real if world. They can bring in the fantasy stuff. Yeah, like I can't kill stuff, people like or blow shit stuff. up with my brain. So that's what I want to see when I escape <laughs> this world. Like just like in game. Gaming, right? Yeah, it's the perfect uh, escape. It makes perfect sense. So that's uh, I wanted to touch on that because my gym is connected directly to the world of manga and to a lesser extent anime, and I have gotten absolutely obsessed with Junji Ito. Are you familiar with him? Ooh, Uzumaki. Um, Uzumaki. Yes. I well, I more well known story. Right. I have been doing his short story collection. Okay. So if for all the people that don't. For all the people listening that don't know who Junji Ito is, he is essentially the manga version uh, in the East of Stephen King. He is a horror. He is a horror icon of the East and definitely in Japan and of manga. And so he he animates them too. So he doesn't just write them. So he animates them, writes the stories, and and so he writes these collect. He does short form He's the nightmare uh, version of Akira Toriyama. You're right. Yeah. He um he does short form little stories and you can buy collections of it on Amazon and then he'll do these really long huge novel like graphic novel type pieces that are just horrifying. twisted and yeah horrific and dark Both i like got physically and existentially too not just any one exactly. type it's not just like your weird gore porn right there's a little bit of that too though there um, can be and I got into him. I'm not sure if you're a Fly Low fan, but Flying Lotus, the uh, electronic musician, 
Uh, he had some cover art that was really unique, and he talked about Junji Ito as being a big inspiration to him, and he was a big fan. And he asked, he commissioned him to make his cover uh, for uh, it's an old album now. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And that that's how I went down my rabbit hole, and I stumbled upon him. Just get into Junji Ito. I think if you're a horror fan, if you're an animation fan, a manga fan, you will fall in love as well. Uh, before we go, of course. Of course, uh, we got to tell you how to get a hold of us. Check out our stuff. Now, if you need a voice actor, an engineer, an editor, look no further than Mr. Philip Church. Philip, tell the good people how they can get a hold of you if they need any of your services. Yeah, most people have the social media. So uh, Facebook.com slash Philip Church Pro VO Nerd. Um, I do have my website, philipchurch.tech. Uh, it's it's a little under construction right now. I've got some awesome improvements coming. So start with Facebook since that's a great way to to just be able to contact me. Uh, if, if you're interested in just chatting it up, uh, you want to, you know, figure out I want to get into the world of it or, you know, I need my something edited, uh, whatever, you know, um, it's an awesome community. I love being part of the voiceover world and um, I'm happy to help out and be here. And um, yeah, Philip Church, Provio Nerd on Facebook. Perfect. And of course, if you like that, and if you like other things like Akira, you can check out our stuff. You can follow us at at underscore Novo underscore Day and Day is D-E and at Novo Day Media. You can, of course, check out our products on NovoDayProductions.com. There you'll find things like The Entropy Sessions, Post Meridium, Adulteration, a short story called Cancel Culture Lotto. I bet you can guess what that's about. And we have a lot more products to come. So don't forget to like and subscribe and follow and hit that notification bell. Do all the things. Rate and review. And until next time, guys. Be good to each other, and as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. Sayonara.